here. This map is gonna be your guide to North Shore. Now, where you sit in the cafeteria is crucial because you got everybody there. You got your freshmen, ROTC guys, preps, JV jocks, Asian nerds, cool Asians, varsity jocks, unfriendly black hotties, girls who eat their feelings, girls who don't eat anything, desperate wannabes, burnouts, sexually active band geeks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst, beware of the plastic. Christopher Maverick, you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host Wayne Wise. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Mav. That's it. I got nothing else. You got nothing else this time. No. <laughs> well, I have exciting news for you. Okay. If people have been following the show regularly, they know about our box office game that we play. You are once again back in the lead. You are beating Katya, who's not here this week, to even be depressed about it. Not that she would give a damn at all. <laughs> you are once again back in the lead Ooh, of the box office game. Thank you, Us. Yes, yeah, so on the strength of the movie Us. Well, it's interesting. You're not you're not far ahead. You know, Captain Marvel yeah. has her really, really competitive. Yeah, oh yeah. No, and, yeah. So for people who haven't listened to the box office episode, we don't get the entire value in the movie. You get the movie times the current Rotten Tomatoes score. And because Wayne has a couple of real stinkers, <laughs> um, namely, well, not I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie Glass, but it did not do yeah. well critically. I lost a lot of money on Glass. Well, between all the movies that you have out, you are currently losing um, something like one hundred forty five million dollars. <laughs> Hannah and my scores combined right now are one hundred forty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you have lost more money than we have made. Ooh, I win. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not for long, because I've got Shazam coming up and that is yeah. reviewing real well. Yeah. It's, um, it's like at 99% right now mm. pre-release. So I'm, okay, I'm looking, good. I'm looking to good. make some, make some moves on there. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I had a strong start just because I had more stuff in the beginning of the year than you did. So mm-hmm. the only money I have is from Battle Angel latest. The only movie that I have, that I've yeah. got out in the game and you've got like five. So yeah. <laughs> it, it will change. Yeah, it will change. I still intend to win. So people should pay, <laughs> stay tuned. They can they can check the results on the box office I'm, page on our I'm, website. I'm just I'm I'm happy that that us was a, a good choice. That was one of the few strategic moves I made and, and took it early. So I'm I'm glad that have paid you seen out. Yet? I haven't. I haven't. I really wanted. I just haven't had the opportunity. So yeah, I caught it. It's good for for a horror movie, which you, which regular listeners know that I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but actually, that, well, that might be a segue because you know, yeah. horror, I, I think horror fans are. Definitely a subculture. Yes. That, that counts. So this week we will be discussing the idea of subcultures. And this is based primarily on the fact that like I've noticed that people use the word and 
or the word and related word, subculture, counterculture. No one says microculture except for me, but I, I'm fascinated by microcultures. Um, but um, identity politics, these are all some related terms that people sort of throw around on the internet incorrectly. So I wanted to sort of talk about the idea. So we're going to fix the internet. We're going to fix the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think horror fans will count as a, as a subculture. So we should talk about that. But if people have been listening to this rattle on, you know, you'll notice that neither Katya or Hannah are here because they are currently on a two woman mission to, um, I don't know, let's say Jupiter. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they will be back soon. But um, we need some guests in order to talk about mission to Jupiter. That's right. They're saving, saving. I don't know. I don't know what crisis. There's a storm going on. Who cares? Anyway, (laughs) they'll be back soon. Um, But we needed a couple of guests. So we've invited three and two of them are big horror fans. I know that. So I don't know about the third one. We'll find out in a moment. But first we have sitting across from me in the studio. We have John Hadlock, a coworker of mine. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going, Mav? Hey, John, John, you were last on the show when we discussed, hey, <laughs> when we discussed horror movies. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, it was a great time. I'm excited to be back. Okay, so well, would you consider horror fans to be a subculture? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think. Um, yeah, there's a lot of you know, uh, subcultury stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, we'll, Ooh, we'll return to it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the episode that we, on the episode that you were on last, we had. I mean, it was you and two people who write horror books for for a living, and. I felt, I felt very much not a part of that subculture because I am a little scaredy cat. There are horror convention all over the place. So I think anything that, that, that garners its own convention is a subculture. Hmm, that's, mm. that's an interesting. Yeah. That's, uh, we, should, we should return to that. But second guest, yeah. we have Brooklyn. Brooklyn Minconi, a, a former student of mine. Hello. Hey, I'd say you're also a horror fan, correct? You're a Halloween fan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> are you absolutely are you more a horror fan or a Halloween fan? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which are you more a fan it of? Depends on the day. Because <laughs> I'm a big fan of like the the like nerdy culture of Halloween, which is like looking into all the different versions of Halloween. And like, I have a little ghost tattoo and I love like Tim Burton. And so like, I like the nerd stuff. And you work and at a haunted also, house. I just watched, I, yes, I work at a haunted house, <laughs> but then there's the fact that also I watched like nightmare, on, <sighs> nightmare on Elm street and silence of the lambs in the same night and quoted the entirety of both movies to my boy friend who was mortified by it but it's fine so, that, 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 so you're, just a fan. you're also annoying is what you're saying i'm so annoying but you knew that because i was in your class i love all of my students I would, never, I, would, I would never say that until the class is over <laughs> we're honest folks and our, our third guest i don't know if he's a horror fan or not but this is for the first time on the show this is a friend of mine from college, which, you know, granted that I've spent 42 years in college of some kind or another. So it's not as descriptive as possible as, as it could be. But Les K is a friend of mine from my undergrad years in college, way, way, way a long time ago. And Les, are you a horror fan? Or, well, first off, welcome to the show. And then are you a horror fan? Uh, thanks. <laughs> and it has been a while now. Uh, as for horror, that's a difficult question for me to answer because I don't normally think of myself as a sort of horror fan. 
But if I look at my like Netflix viewing history, I just watched the entirety of Supernatural. So there's clearly something or other going on there. But maybe it's just not to the point where I'm actually fanatical about it, right? But 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 I'm a fan. So I don't like quite fit in that subculture, but I enjoy some of it. I think that's an important distinction for the upcoming conversation is how how all in are you in these subcultures? Because I think there are levels with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there are definitely people who read comic books but wouldn't consider themselves a comic geek. People who play video games wouldn't consider themselves a gamer. People who like punk rock music but wouldn't consider themselves punk. And then there are the people who are punks. There are the people mm-hmm. who are horror fanatics. There are the people who are comics geeks. You know, there's certainly a distinction, I think. Actually, Supernatural has a massive fandom Mm -hmm. to use another word that i think we absolutely would consider the online community that follows supernatural to be a subculture but i don't know Les, do you make memes do you do you ship people (laughs) do you (laughs) (laughs) maybe i should i don't know um no 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 i've never done that uh with the possible exception uh how do i say this I'm a poet primarily, and my last project was re-envisioning basically the whole of 20th century science fiction. So, like, it's like self-portrait as whoever, Aaron's son, uh, someone from Star Trek, I forget who, uh, actually lots of people from Star Trek, random people from, like, across science fiction television. So, I mean, kind of, but... I, I love that you wrote a book and you can't remember what's in it. <laughs> oh, no, I can. I just, you know, if you want the Star Trek people, it was Odo, um, Uhura, and no, I'm not going to be able to remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, so for the sake of argument, Mav, let's define yes. subculture. For, for, okay. For the rest of the show, let's, let's get a, an operational definition yes, here. Please. Well, so that's what's interesting. I think people use the term in many, many ways. And when we were preparing for the show, I was like sort of looking around on the Internet. I think a lot of people consider it to be a negative term. Like if, if, if someone says you're in a subculture, like people almost actually most of them subculture, mm-hmm. counterculture and identity politics. Definitely. I think all have sort of a have a negative connotation to them. Yes. Sociologically, cultural studies, you know what we do where the terms actually came from, none of that's actually true. So all a subculture is, is a characteristically definable, smaller part of a larger culture. So if we have the culture that is Americans, a subculture might be punks. It might be hippies. It might also be Democrats. It could be Catholics. I was going to say, because within religion, there is Catholicism, Mm -hmm. there's, there's Christianity, there's Catholicism, there are snake handlers. They're all under that broader category. So it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like the subgenres within the genre, but instead Mm -hmm. the word sub ends up being looked at as the lesser instead of it being the broken off, more 
focused in group, it gets looked at as, oh, that's a subculture. That's a less important culture. I prefer a dominant culture. Like, that's what it, is. Like, that's what it sounds like now. As a 22-year-old that spends way too much time on Facebook, as soon as you see someone that's like, I'm so passionate about the huh. horror subculture, I'm like, ew, are you okay? And like, I'm a horror nerd, so that speaks volumes. Uh, that's a good point, though. Is it just the word sub? Is it just the kind of because what it really means is smaller. It's the inside. You've got a parent culture and, you know, there's it's sort of hierarchical. There can be cultures and there can be subcultures inside of subcultures. There's a horror subculture that's smaller than the movie fans culture, but bigger than the slasher film subculture. And inside of the slasher fan subculture, I'm just going to assume there are people who are massive fanatics of Nightmare on Elm Street, which is smaller than all the slashers. That's all a subculture really is. It just means the smaller section. There's a nesting of subcultures. Yes. Mm. Now you end up with some weirdness to that because a counterculture is a specific subculture, which is defined as being in opposition to the main culture the you know we, we would say dominant, the culture. dominant culture but given brooklyn's problem with almost imply yeah, it that one's more important it's more important in that it's larger so if you have a counterculture like punks the punks are specifically an alternative they are trying to oppose the the dominant culture so i would say punk is a counterculture i would say what's another good example john of Hippies are, yeah, hippies are, you know, absolutely were a counterculture. Anti-war. I enjoy the specification of were a counterculture <laughs> because I feel like I feel like they're not as much anymore. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because I think both those things, punk, punk as well, certainly started as a counterculture, and now you can buy all that stuff at Hot Topic. So you can buy all that stuff at Twenty One. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, so does co-optation mean that something is no longer a subculture? Because that's not quite how I view it. Or I'm not sorry, no longer, no longer a they're no longer a counter. No, I said the wrong word. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, maybe. I mean, I think you can be a counterculture and then somebody can try to capitalize on you. Mm. But I think what, I think what actually makes it a counterculture is, is the movement having a specific purpose of opposing the dominant culture. So hippies as a 1968 opposition to the Vietnam war counterculture hippies as a, we love trees and nature and flowery clothing and smoking weed from you know 1970 through now <laughs> subculture mm -hmm. i think you're right i mean i think you're a good question which is what is a culture like i think to know you know what a subculture or counterculture mm -hmm. culture is we have to i think maybe talk about what a culture is i think there are very subtle distinctions among all these things there, mm -hmm. there are mm -hmm. at least 50 shades of gray when it comes to any of these terminologies so. sure sure Shades of Grey fans, also a subculture. <laughs> I like suburban white moms everywhere that buy too much wine. Definitely. <laughs> I brought it up primarily for the Dom. <laughs> Never mind. Like the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was the wrong con there. Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think, you know, um, I think a culture has to be, I mean, I think a culture in a way sort of spreads in a way that, um, 
just like a, an institution. So Mav and I were talking earlier about, okay, so like, you know, uh, is the Catholic church a, a, a subculture of, of Christianity? But I think that a culture is more than just people going to Catholic church, if that makes sense. Yes. Like it's oh, also yeah, the other sorts of things that, that come out of that institutional practice, right. if that makes sense. A culture is all of the, and I'm going to use, school words here but all of the <laughs> all of the identifiers signifiers performances that are indicative of a social <laughs> that oh, no. loaded term of a of a group of people of a group of, are you going to say a social formation yeah <laughs> of, a, of, a, of a of a of a group of individuals so if you have you know there are there, well, I should also define microculture in a moment but if you have a culture that is Americans you know there's an American culture which is largely yeah i mean you become a part of the american culture culture pretty much by living here but we have generic ideas of you know sort of stereotypically what it means to be american and mm-hmm. they and they mm-hmm. vary from person to person as right. to what we mean but there's at least a stereotypical national pride of america mom and apple pie which which is supposed to be the dominant culture and then we have subcultures in it that which might be some of them are quite large we might have a subculture that is black people or white people, you know, but inside of, inside of that culture, we might have, we might have a subculture that is hip hop fans or rock and roll fans. Um, So music is often a really good identifier. Uh, Clothing, age groups, millennials, certainly a subculture, but millennials is a subculture that you mostly just, you know, become a part of by being a certain age as this Gen X, as our baby boomers, Mm. but within each of those subcultures, Hypothetically, being the right age, it's turned into um, what year are you to be a millennial? And it's the dumbest yeah. fight Absolutely, I've because, seen. Because millennial is not a terribly useful subculture. So the term millennial, for instance, and Generation X and uh, well, and Gen Z, Gen Z and baby boomers, those terms are demographic. They're largely used for marketing purposes and, and they're always nebulous. When Copeland wrote uh, Generation at the Crossroads, which talks about Gen X, he he was talking about a very specific group of people who were the generation after the baby boomers that ends in 1974, the year I was born. It was the it was 54 to 74. That was it. (laughs) That made you Gen X. And then it became sort of nebulously defined to be larger and, you know, and and yep. when we first started talking about millennials, we we met people born between 1990 and 2000. I can't remember if it was five or 10, but it was very specific. And so does that mean I'm not a millennial? I was born in 1989. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Huh. So they came up with Zennial. They they they, uh. they they had all these things that people. Well, but people just made up these groups. You can uh, be if you but, want to be. <laughs> right. Well, the problem. The problem. I, with, I don't you know, know if I did. I don't, I don't know. Well, the, pro- <laughs> the reason why there's so many groups and then there's an argument about what group is what group is because people are caught between the herding method, which is I want to be a part of a group, yeah. but mm-hmm. then they're also caught in the. I'm so different than like my generation I because I like floral print I, and it's a battle of that. I think you just completely mm. defined what subculture is. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I actually think it's that battle. It is. It's that, that hurting instinct. Like, mm. I want to mm. be an individual and I want to be an individual just like all these other people. Just like all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or any other group. I mean, really. 
honestly. And I think that's, that's the interesting thing. You have demographics. You have a, you have a very demographically defined thing, which was Gen X, Millennial, Baby Boomer. Those were all purely defined based on age. And again, they were defined for marketing purposes so that you could do Nielsen ratings on television. That's what they were for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we, but we started saying stuff like, well, the Gen X are slackers. The millennials mm. are, you know, like we, we started. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say. Yeah. That's, that's the, you know, the difference between a, a demographic and a culture, a culture is practices, mm-hmm. is behaviors, mm-hmm. which may very well be stereotyped per- or whatever it might be. Visuals, mm. um, art, artifacts music mm-hmm. and the, the music you listen to the, the television and okay. literatures yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so for example i'm told that as a millennial i only want to ever be on my phone that is supposedly a practice a cultural practice that defines millennials i guess uh-huh. so based on i'm that, not a millennial and i burn my phone out every day yeah, yeah based on that i'm a millennial and i'm older than all of you <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, this brings up an interesting point because I'm wondering like how like sort of self definition plays into this, right? Because again, these are all demographics, right? Mm-hmm. Like like everything mm-hmm. that we say about millennials, basically, or we see on Facebook is mostly bullshit, and we, we all know that. Absolutely, um, everything that we mm-hmm. say, except when you're talking about Brooklyn. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> but everything we say about baby boomers is 100 percent true, right? Um, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Every single boomer I've met is actually just a carbon copy. Um, I've yeah, never met know, individuals. Right? Yeah. It's a so this gets to that point, though. I mean, like, 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 what, what role does like self determination play in this? That is like choosing the clothing, choosing the languages that you're using, the way that you speak to each other, and and choosing. Well, mm. I guess basically mm. how you communicate and who you communicate with, right? Because I, to me, that's a big part of what any culture is. And, and I think there's like an interesting interplay that we're talking about here between like w- that, which is forced upon us and, and that, which we decide, like, I mean, like to go back to my college days back with Mav, mm-hmm. like there was a whole bunch of like that neo hippie shit going on then. And then one day I saw a Fruitopia advertisement and I was like, Holy shit, this is wall. You know what I mean? And then, then just to be like, you know, in that place where you're like, well, I thought this was my self definition, but maybe it wasn't, you know I mean? Like then how do you decide, you know? So, and I think that subcultures play like a huge role in that. And, and that speaks mm-hmm. to that, like, you know, hot topic. Maybe. <laughs> that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so i wanted to put um just because no one was able to guess and in fact uh link one of our listeners he, he was the only person who even addressed it when i said does anybody even know what a microculture is i only included that that one's not thrown around as much but i find them fascinating microcultures are specifically defined subcultures with rules they take control in order to have it so you you can't just join a microculture you have to like sort of be accepted into it a microculture might be the culture of your workplace. You have to be specific in order to, in order, like you have to be blessed with working there in order to be part of that microculture. You might be, um, or, or again, the well, the Catholic Church is a weird one, but like your specific, your specific congregation has a culture to it where there is someone in control and they sort of, you can sort of control the cultural practices of your group for a microculture. Whereas a subculture, you can't really do that. And I'm not sure where, Catholicism as a whole lies anymore. There's someone in, there's a Pope that's in charge, but the group, but so they could be a microculture, albeit a huge one, but he has no real control over the individual denominations <laughs> at this point. There's just too many millions of people. Um, not in the same way that the guy, you know, the, uh, 
what do you call the, the pastor? Is it priest, the priest of a church as of uh, <laughs> <laughs> We we you know work at a Catholic university. I work at a doesn't yeah. mean we you know. And if okay. you have not figured figured out from this show yet that I am a godless heathen, <laughs> I don't know what you've been listening to. Which is a separate <laughs> <laughs> Yes, godless heathen. Well, no, but but it, yes. but it is. I mean, so I think there's I think there is an aspect of what Les was just saying. I think there's an aspect where, on some level, you sort of performatively choose to be part of the subculture. At some point, you say. I am a geek. And to go back to our last episode, to prove my geekiness, <laughs> I am going to wear this Superman t-shirt in, or this Batman t-shirt. And then everybody started wearing them. So you had to start saying, fuck, I'm going to wear a Starman t-shirt <laughs> or mage <laughs> or Grindle. You had to like get more obscure to sort of oh. prove that you really belonged in the, in the subculture. Yeah. And the same thing with, with the punks. Like, I am a punk because I am, oh. you know, down with the man. And then they start selling the shit at Hot Topic, and you're like, "Fuck, yeah. <laughs> what do I do now?" And then you get See, I love the people yeah. with yeah. music yeah. because I love my sister to death. But she's that person with music where she's like, "Man, I love this band because like no one's ever heard of them." And then like she'll hear the song on the radio and get mad about it for a week and a half. And I'm like, what? Shouldn't you be happy? They're yeah. making money now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yep. <laughs> I think that ties into, I mean, part of the appeal of any of these subcultures to us is that sense of, you know, identity and exclusivity and I'm special because I'm into this thing. And the moment someone else discovers that thing, you're not special right. anymore. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and going back for my snowflake reputation and I'm offended. Yeah. And, and we're also talking about the, you know, selling this stuff at Hot Topic. It's the commodification of the subculture, which ties into the demographic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, once you, you once you can identify the signifiers of a subculture, you can now market to that that subculture, commodify it. Mm-hmm. Which then, yeah, and then you get. I was I told Mav that I wanted to bring this up, and I'm glad that it came up semi organically. <laughs> but uh, you get this funny thing in in punk where there's like a sub genre of punk songs that are somebody said my punk band's not punk enough. <laughs> And I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like that is a, that yeah. is a, you can find it in so many different bands and, and, catalogs. Yeah, and, and finding any two punk fans or metal fans who agree on the definition of what those things are is, you know, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> finding two academics who agree on the definition of subcultures. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, like, I mean, this is the definition that we're going for basically because, you know, it's my show. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Charles and I said so. So, yeah. so we're all a microculture here tonight. Right. <laughs> under, well, under Mav's guidance. Or, you know, you know, one nation under me. Under Mav. Uh, <laughs> dirty. One nation under the godless heathen. Thank goodness. I feel dirty. <laughs> well, but I don't think that's all that weird, right? Because you're going to end up with people who are absolutely going to say, I mean, I gave the example before of I'm a real geek. We talked about this last week because I've got this T-shirt or or Nicole, who was on our show last week, talked about when she went to Rush concerts, she made sure she wore the oldest Rush T-shirt she had, <laughs> you know, because well, I've a been a fan, fan of this band since the 70s. Mm-hmm. I'm a real fan, not you young punks who picked them up in 85, you know. <laughs> like, well, can I ask? What actually is the the point of that? Like, what is it that you're, why, did, why is that a 
Uh, people will want to, mm-hmm. to do over and over I, again. I think it's I think it's what Wayne said earlier. The, uh, Wayne mentioned that, you know, almost jokingly, I'm going to be an individual just like all my yeah. friends. Yeah, you know, no, totally. <laughs> like um but I'm more of an individual yeah, I, think, than... I think I think that at some point you, you were yeah. an individual before everybody else was. Right. I think that I at some point a culture, a, a culture even, not even just a subculture, but um, but why do we and I'm using the word we very, 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 very loosely. Why are we trying to build a fucking wall hey. around, around this country? And the reason is, well, I mean, the reason's racism, but the, but the reason is specifically like the idea of if we can keep people out of the country, then being in the country becomes special. So that's why that's why any and that's why subcultural theory ends up being a thing at every level of sociology. Uh-huh. What makes subcultures special is, yes, I'm becoming uh, or I'm trying to pick something that's absolutely. out. Oh, here's one. Absolutely altruistically a good thing, a good community to have is the queer community. And I'm using the word queer generically to start mm-hmm. with because the queer community used to be gays and lesbians. Then it became the LGBT community. And that was controversial because there was a point when, and actually it still kind of is, but not as bad because there's other people to keep out. But there was a point when gay people very much did not want to accept bisexual people because fuck those greedy bastards. And (laughs) get turfs. They still exist and Uh, they suck. Right. Absolutely. So you're going to have things like that. So then, but then like when there's other groups, so LGBT, now it's like, well, we're LGBT, but what about QIA? So the so the acronym becomes longer. And then we try to put the plus on, and somebody gets mad about it. Right. Well, well, and that's exactly the question. Because if you if you make if you make it LGBTQIA plus, what does plus stand for? Does plus include people who are okay? So just for people who might not know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Um, questioning intersex asexual mm-hmm. plus so is the plus people generally speaking we're defining the queer community by sexuality or gender so do you count as queer if you're polyamorous do you count as queer if you are a fetishist what is that plus four and the answer is we don't know but at the point where you're accepting anybody then why am i not queer just if i'm straight you know like that that becomes the question it becomes a the community is only defined by its ability to keep other people out so am i do i have a problem with the lgbtq community absolutely not but it but it's a weirdness of what ends up happening when you you can only be so inclusive before you lose sort of meaning of the group if everybody's punk then nobody is Mm. Absolutely. And the thing with the exclusivity is a lot of the times it isn't just I'm exclusive and I want to feel special. It's I'm exclusive. So I'm better. It's a thing of dominance and seniority. Mm. That's where like the mm-hmm. I have the oldest shirt I can find, mm. you know, I'm wearing the first warp Tour shirt to the mm. 25th anniversary show in Cleveland that only has three bands. It's a seniority <laughs> thing and it's a dominance <laughs> thing. And it's also hilarious. And I hate to be that feminist but here we go it happens a lot in nerd culture and it's so annoying do you know how many times i've had to prove that i'm a nerd that's stupid you're a nerd you're a girl exactly Like, why do I have to yell at people and be like, no, like, I actually have read a comic book. And they're like, you can't read. 
Like, I don't understand. I'm just old enough to be thrilled that people actually are screaming out that they want to be nerds. <laughs> I, 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 I remember just denying it so I didn't get my ass kicked. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I don't Being a nerd that. in high school because I was like the weird girl in like half punk, half my mom dresses me clothes. <laughs> and on top of that, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to own this. Like, I'm kind of awkward. I'm lanky as all get out. Like, I look like a string bean and I like nerdy stuff. So then I get to college and I'm like, yes, nerdy stuff, things I enjoy. And I got, you can't be a nerd. You're yes. a female. And I was like, this is dumb. Can I do anything? <laughs> <laughs> So we've talked before many times on the show about gatekeeping, but that's what that becomes. Yeah, gatekeeping is horrible and vile and absolutely necessary in order to maintain, oh, big school word, cultural hegemony. Yeah. Mm. You cannot control your culture if you just let other people in because then your culture mutates, which is not actually bad. No, it's not. But, bad. you know, it's when you start yeah. to step into the boundaries of like cultural appropriation versus appreciation versus versus like testing out for kicks question mm-hmm. mark like what mm-hmm. like that's that's when you start to get into that blurred zone mm-hmm. well you end up with weird arguments like just to keep going to our music stuff what are the beastie boys are they hip-hop are they punk <laughs> are they alternative i don't know but they wrote a song about me so that's cool <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> Jesus, that song's older than you are. <laughs> Man, they foresaw you coming. <laughs> She's cool, and we're not going to sleep till she gets here, and that's what happened. <laughs> oh, my. <Bravo>. Oh. <laughs> but serious question, though. Like, I remember when the Beastie Boys came out, because I'm old. <laughs> and, and um but there was there were very real the beasties who were unquestionably talented they're not rappers fuck them they're a bunch of white boys like mm-hmm. as though color which no one had ever said before but suddenly color became important to being a rapper just because it it had been it had been the black community's thing. It had been the black subcultures thing was hip hop. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there were these lanky looking white boys who were really good at it. <laughs> you know? And then, but like, are they really rappers? Something was different. And, and because and, it was and, different. And on the other side of that, you know, my, my alternative and punk friends, you know, a lot of them had the reaction of what is this rap shit they're doing? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so they they couldn't accept them as, as punk or alternative either because it was this right. it was this other genre that they they couldn't assimilate. Mm-hmm. Nav, you may have seen this. I had put up a Facebook poll that had asked a question about some crappy emo type band from the early 2000s and I was like is they are they considered pop or emo and I had people arguing about no they're considered pop grunge goth and I was like what are you saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know, like should I just put pop versus alt or would I have just opened like the biggest can of worms because this was supposed to be an easy question like what the heck <laughs> Yeah. Is it an easy question or can you define any genre? I mean, who said at the very beginning of this conversation? I think it was Brooklyn. The cultures are sort of like defining a genre. 
Mm-hmm. In iTunes, one of my biggest complaints in iTunes is that any given song or movie is only allowed to have one genre. Yeah. And it really irritates the hell out of me because pick a movie. Um, one of my favorite Marvel movies, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Is that a superhero movie? Is it an action movie? Is it a spy movie? Yes, to all of those. Yeah. And I have to pick one. That becomes weird. Are Beastie Boys punk? Are they hip hop? Yes. I, they're pop. They're certainly popular. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how to answer those yeah. questions. I'm a fan. Well, and that, that, I think that comes back to commodification kind of thing. We we put them in these categories so we know where to file them in the record store. Brooklyn, a record store mm-hmm. is a place where we used to go to yeah. buy records. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me what dial-up is now <laughs> <laughs> but but no i mean and you know for for radio programming this is a country station so we're not going to play the beastie boys you know that it's mm-hmm. these subcultures become commodified and and then labeled with these very specific labels in an effort to market them to, to people. Mm-hmm. And it, Genres and, are made specifically for capitalism, and that's yeah, what it comes down for. Yeah, and, and, and it, ignores, it ignores those Fifty Shades of Grey in between. Well, I, I, no, I don't think that it's specifically for capitalism, like a genre or a subculture or anything like that is specifically yeah. for capitalism. It's by capitalism. So capitalism uh, uses yeah, them. Capitalism takes everything. But I think the, the yeah, I think the problem though, like when we're talking about subcultures and genres over time, is that those are basically categories. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a taxonomy here, and that taxonomy sort of ignores dynamism. If you're talking about music, if you're talking about the way that people exist, they exist like in fluid states mm-hmm. of change. Yes. Good music changes and builds off of everything else. If it didn't, it would suck, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like you would not want to listen to the Sugar Hill Gang version. 5.97, right? Like, you want to hear the original or you want to hear where people have gone? Well, maybe you wouldn't, but do you know how many people genuinely are convinced that change is the worst thing that's ever happened? Lots of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, I can't defend those subcultures. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. I have so many people in my personal life and then people that I make fun of on Facebook that constantly (laughs) complain about things changing in a natural manner. My favorite example is most of the people in my family that complain about today's kids when in reality, that's what their parents did to them. And Mm -hmm. that's what their grandparents (laughs) did to their parents. And I mean, I guess part of that change comes with complaint, but holy smokes, it's like they never have experienced cultural shift until 2012. Holy smokes. <laughs> Are you a cartoon character from 1927? <laughs> 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 what the fuck? I can't swear. I turned it off days, now. Though. I mean, like, it, it, we're talking about, like, are you talking about, like, boomers, like, making this claim? Because, like, what the actual fuck, right? Like, I mean, I, the, the original hippies are making this claim? Yeah. <laughs> Some of them, like, I know. 18 year olds that complain about 17 year olds like oh kids now and I'm like you guys are 8 months apart in age what the hell are you talking about (laughs) 
It's insane. Like, yeah, of course, there's right. the there's the classic boomers that complain about kids doing exactly right. what they did in terms of drugs, sex, violence, and pissing off everyone older than them. But it's it's become more <laughs> aggressively dialed in than that. Like, I have first graders that complain about preschoolers. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Neither of you can read. Back I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they're like. What? I was in preschool. I was like, what, 13 minutes ago? What are we, what's happening? It's become a part of culture now to hate anyone that's younger than you, unless for some reason you are a special snowflake and you believe that humans are actually humans, no matter how small. Like, it's insane. Well, you said at the beginning of that little rant, which was great, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. that it's just like their parents did. But it's not it's not something that's happened now. There is oh, I could I could cite my own dissertation. This is exciting. Um, hey. there is, yeah. Um phobia. Phobia is the fear that the children are going to come and kill you. It's fear of youth call. That's amazing. And this, and this has always been true. Um always uh, it's been true. Always, it's been specifically Americanly true since we invented teenagers in the in in like the 1930s or 40s, and yeah, that's when we invented teenagers. Um, Yeah, teenagers didn't use. Yeah, teenagers didn't (laughs) used to be a thing. It used to be that people, you know, were children and then they were 14 and you got married and worked in a field. But then when and died, (laughs) yeah, and then yeah, and died, and then we had this thing where we everybody moved to the city and we kept kids in school till they were 18. And they got cars, and then they became dangerous and scary because they're stronger than we are. And then and they're going to fucking kill the us. Street singing right. about you know all that West Side Story stuff. Man, it's crazy. Yes. yes, that stuff like that happened. And you had um, but you but you have this constant fear. Like, why do we why do we say stuff like um? Oh, here here's a constant fear that every older subculture, and by this I mean the baby boomers now. <laughs> But like when the baby boomers were younger, the greatest generation was telling them this. Back in my day, we waited till after we were married to have sex. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> you did not. Like I, it's like as someone who is an authority on this. No, that's not true. Um, back in my day, we didn't have all of those drugs. Back in your day, everyone was on laudanum. Laudanum was sold over the counter. It's fucking heroin. It's morphine. You could buy it in the drugstore. They gave it to babies. True story. Look it up. (laughs) You had cocaine in your pop. Like, I don't understand why people have an authority complex and a superiority complex when they did, in fact, suck equally but differently. Right. Well, the same. They suck the same. And that's the thing, because every culture, every subculture is afraid of all the other subcultures. Why do you fight for dominance? Why do you fight to keep your subculture exclusive? And the reason is because you can only know you're not at the bottom if someone's below you. No one really wants equality. I mean, we do nebulously sort of morally, but like in behaviorally as cultures, as humans, we tend to try to strive to not be at the bottom and the only way we can know that is if there are people whose life sucks more than we do. Why do you control your children? Because you don't want them to be better than you are. Not, not your children, like your direct children, but the, the smaller <laughs> culture. Youth culture is scary because they're going to outlive us and they're strong and, you know, their life looks pretty fun. Look at the, look at those kids in the streets, you know. Um, dating, having sex, having fun, driving cars, well, and going well, to movies instead of work. How dare they? 
Did I screw up my teenage years? Is that what I was supposed to be doing? I wish my back could still do that stuff, man. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Oh my god. I I think this is this is pointing towards the idea that you brought up. I think uh, earlier, Math, uh, uh, or the ideas, I should say, about identity. Right? Like there, there's a lot of identity formation Mm -hmm. happening here, and the idea that oh, you you don't want. you know, you don't want to be in that, that whatever perceived as low as subclass or subculture, right? And I, I think that's, that's an important thing that we should talk a little right. bit more about, maybe. And of course, we talk about them like they're, like they're hierarchical, but they're not. They're a taxonomy. It's hard to know what the lowest subclass is. And, you know, all you can know is who's being, right. you right. know, it's, who's it's, having it's the worst shit done to them dynamic. at this exact moment. Or who right. kind of like stereotypes about them? Like right. very rapidly right. sometimes. Like I mean, like right. I, if we're honest, like I don't think any of us could have seen sort of the mm-hmm. way that uh, let's say Latinos would be treated in 2019 back in 2011. I mean, that's not what you thought would be happening, right? Like that, it's not what I thought would be happening. I, it, mm-hmm. There were signs, right? <laughs> well, no. Not only are, you know, why are we afraid of them, but how do we exercise that control? Like when you say, because you say it's identity, and I think that's right. I think that there is a certain thing of, there's a reason people wear MAGA hats. Yes. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah, And it's it's not simple. I mean, the simple answer that I'm sure probably most of our fans would say is, well, yeah, there's a reason because they're fucking racist. And yes. True. But, psych- but psychologically, the reason people wear MAGA hats is the same reason why people wear band t-shirts. Yes, it is. Like, it is. It is specifically identifying with it is defining yourself and announcing to your to the world that I am a part of this subculture and with it comes a certain power. And I'm part of the subculture that whether you like it or not. You know, we we have the president. Right. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like that. That is a that is a that is a marker of power. And yes, I mean, the easy association is to say that it's the same marker of power as a clan hood. But Brooklyn's right. It's also the same marker of power as having, you know, a Pink Floyd T-shirt. Yeah. Maybe maybe a different power, but it's, it's, it's the same kind of executional power. But it's the mm-hmm. same. It comes from the same place in your brain as this is my people. This is what I identify with. And this is what I want others to see me as. Mm-hmm. I walk outside in combat boots, ripped jeans, and a leather jacket. It's because I want to be seen as a certain way and fit in with a certain group. And as Mm -hmm. much as I'm not a fan of people who walk around in MAGA hats, if they're doing that, it's coming from the same place in their heads that my outfit is coming from. Mm -hmm. Yes, you... uh, appearance that was that was last week's show appearance is a way that we very often use to readily associate ourselves with our subculture of choice even if it's just subconscious there's a stereotypical look to being a lesbian you know if you wanted to just sort of get the idea across on television that this character is a lesbian you cut her hair short diet you know sick of like, you, 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 yeah yeah and that's and that's and that's uh, Something that people wear in real life. But do you have to seen in Fun Home that that you know that and and the musical you know? Yeah. Well, I I had to make a joke to my friend. She's planning a wedding right now, and she's like, "Everyone's going to wear flannel." And I was like, "Listen, I already look gay enough. If I put flannel on, no one's going to understand that I have a boyfriend." Like, (laughs) like, this is going to be a travesty. Yeah. 
Well, but like, but do you have to, I mean, do you have to be in the flannel, in the flannel lesbian suit in order to be a lesbian? Absolutely not. I would obviously. just say you're a Nirvana the, fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was born in 97. Who? Oh, <laughs> I am weeping now. <laughs> just like Kurt did. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm drinking all your tears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that, having beer. That's, I don't what know. Keeps, that's what keeps me young. Uh, oh, that's fine. At least I can. You know, I, I do have a question here, though, yeah, I mean, maybe, because like a lot of what Brooklyn's talking about sounds a lot like tribalism to me, uh, 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 in the way that tribalism is sort of defined in the popular culture and in the, I guess, the political news media where we're talking about like Jims uh, versus Republicans or whatever. It sounds a lot like that, right? Like where it's like identifying with mm-hmm. one's air quotes tribe, right? Um, so, well, but how is this different? It because I do think that yes. there's like some functional difference here from sort of the, I don't know, the New York Times idea, as well as, you know, an actual tribal idea and the way that subcultures function. But I'm not sure I can articulate. Well, disclaimer, I think the reason why tribalism isn't used frequently is because everyone is terrified that if they say it, someone's going to accuse them as cultural appropriation, which is why no one tries to use it mm-hmm. in an academic manner. Well, it, well, in an academic manner, it's, we, we do, though. It's weird. And it's it's I think it's, I think people don't use it on television. I think they've um, well, this goes into the, the last term that I brought up in the blog, which was identity politics, which is what tribalism is. And, and John and I again, John and I were talking earlier this afternoon. We were talking about, you know, things that I might want to bring up on the show. And I mentioned to you um, one of my biggest problems with identity politics, because I've asked this on my blog before and I didn't really do it on 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 the show's blog this time i just sort of mentioned it in passing because it's very clear to me that people people on the internet and for the most part on television on the news on the talking head shows use the term identity politics wrong and i've i've realized that the the problem most people have with that term with the term identity politics is they think it's an insult i think most people hear the word identity politics and they they kind of connect it with libtard. Yeah, like, they hear identity politics, and they think, "Oh, it's that them queers over there." Like that's yeah, it's the liberal, what they do yeah. in their minds. That's not what it means. No. And, and, what's ama- and what's amazing about it is, and, and this is what I said to John earlier: the only person, or the most prominent person I know who uses the term correctly is Steve Bannon, who. I agree with on nothing political as far as I am aware, (laughs) but he uses the word right. What he was arguing with identity politics is that there are a certain class of people who are and he wasn't saying that only liberals were guilty of identity politics. He specifically said that liberals and conservatives were both guilty, guilty of it and not guilty in in a bad way. But he's saying there are a certain group of people that are going to vote politically based on their cultural identity. I am a feminist. I am a devout feminist. I believe in the right, a woman's right to choose. I am never voting for a Republican ever. I am an NRA member, gun, gun willing, you know, owning my gun is the most important right we can possibly have. I'm never voting for a Democrat ever. Those people exist. And Bannon said, fuck those people. We don't need to advertise to them. 
we we're not going to lose the people who are who are identifying strongly with the with the right. We're not going to um, gain the people who are identifying strongly with the left. We can just write all those people out. What he realized was there are other people who were so entrenched in their identity and they weren't necessarily being served by either party. And so they were up for grabs. Um, a lot of them, he felt, were defaulting to Democrat because the, he, he was saying the Democrats had become the party of identity politics, which is to say he felt as though there was no specific message. And he's kind of right. You know, there's the progressives, there's the socialists, there's the moderates, there's the, you know, like the, the, there's the feminists, there's all these little sort of camps that were liberal in one way or another. And he felt like, I don't need to be able to get them all. If I can just get some of them, that's enough. enough. Yeah. 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 I I just need to be able to get somebody who I can convince, you know, there's nothing innately Democrat about what you do. What you really are is you're a working class factory person or a suburban soccer mom. Yeah. Or yeah. And, And the answer is, I mean, I don't need to tell you the truth. That was irrelevant. And Bannon actually kind of admits this. Trump does it. But Bannon actually kind of admits that it was a game that he played the identity politic game. And he's fucking good at it. I mean, like I, 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 I'll give him props for that because he actually understood it. And because he was willing to be the supervillain, he didn't care that people saw him as evil so long as he won the game. So to, to tie that back to what Les asked, I think that part of that identity, like what, like I think there's the power in that. Like I, I think that, you know, why do you, why do you announce to anybody that you're a feminist ever? Right. It doesn't matter like you could just say you could just absolutely have all of your personal individual politics and morality. And one of the things that you believe is, hey, I kind of believe that everybody should be paid the same amount of money for the same the same kind of work. And I kind of believe that, you know, maybe we shouldn't rape people. <laughs> and I kind of like, like you, you know, you can just you can just have those Catch views. View. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm taking the hard, right. you know, the hard <laughs> take right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could just enumerate those, but instead, like we it's have this thing. shorthand. Well, it's a shorthand, but it's not just shorthand. It's sort of an announcement of your place in the culture. Not only is it a shorthand for here's my beliefs, but there's a certain sense of performance to making the announcement. I am a feminist. Treat me accordingly. I am a MAGA person. Treat me accordingly. Yeah. I have made this joke to many of my friends, including bosses and supervisors, which may or may not be stupid. But <laughs> the running joke is anytime politics gets brought up, I say, honest disclaimer, I'm a flaming liberal. <laughs> and that's how I start my political conversations. And it's not because I actually am a flaming liberal. It's because that sets the tone of if you say something transphobic, racist, homophobic, or something that you would imagine would upset a snowflake, you will probably hear me get upset. It is a way for me to go, heads up, I'm not afraid to fit the stereotype of a flaming liberal. Mm -hmm. Do I usually end up fitting that stereotype? You would, Chris, you would know better than anybody else. I have a tendency to be the devil's advocate because I do tend to lean rather like gray zone ish, definitely closer to liberal. But 
I, I'm rather in the gray zone, but I'd rather be bunched in with the flaming liberals, mm-hmm. especially whenever it comes to people not saying stuff that sucks in front of me. And that's the important part right there. You'd rather be like you you're making. OK, in Brooklyn's case, a, a conscious decision. But I think absolutely. But I think frequently a subconscious decision. I think that um, this is something that people do all the time when they answer questions that I notice as a teacher, which. Oh, wow. I was going to say. But, which everybody in on the show today has been at one point or another. Brooklyn, maybe not for you because the people you're teaching are very small. <laughs> but, um, but like, but people, but but you've been but you've been in college, and people will answer many many questions that are kind of controversial, like this. I'll say, you know, as a black man, I feel that you know, or you know, as a you know, somebody my, as a bisexual woman, I feel that, that as a you know. <laughs> Yeah, what? I said I dropped that one a lot in your class. As someone that's a right. flaming bisexual, I think right, right. But and and what and what you're what you're doing when you say that is you're you're sort of you're announcing yourself for kind of a credibility yeah. that comes with that comes with associating with that group. Mm-hmm. What does it even mean to be a black guy? It, it means that I was lucky or unlucky enough, depending on how you look at it, to be born with a very specific genetic code. You know, what does it mean to be a bisexual woman? It means you like girls and boys. That has nothing to do with your politics whatsoever. <laughs> like, nothing. I don't know but, if that's true. No, but, no, but, it, but, it, but it, only, it only does because we've learned that it does. But I mean, like, you could theoretically... Well, that's what hegemony is. Right, right. right. You could that. theoretically be a black guy or a bisexual woman and be a staunch Republican. Mm. But the assumptions that you're not. Hey, you the, the long cabin Republicans is a thing. Yeah. But we assume a certain cultural thing. And by by making that statement, you're almost like if I say as a black man, I believe that no, I am speaking for all black men. That's like wearing the old which I don't like wearing the old black t shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is yeah. it is an it is an announcement of identity in order to sort of gain Hope. I mean, when you're when you announce it yourself, you're get, you're hoping to gain all the cultural capital that comes with that identity in a way that, you know, you might not necessarily have personally earned. But you're hoping that like people. So you might say if somebody says something sexist, Brooklyn, you might say as a woman, I am offended by that, implying that all women are would be offended by it, which maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't be probably not all women, because that's, you know. Three billion people. I'm so cool because, like, feminism is so lame to me. I love when men insult me. Like, there's that subgenre. So we gotta, like, we gotta accept them and let them have a say, right? Yeah. Well, you do, but you don't necessarily actively. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think one thing that we're kind of getting to is how. A subculture has to define itself in relationship to a larger culture, a parent culture, as you Mm -hmm. you said. And like, unless you are having very specific kind of conversations in the classroom, which many of us try to have. But it's pretty rare that you have a student say something like, as a white man. Right. Unless you're talking about race, gender, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Right. I, I, I don't think it's probably very common to hear. It. I had someone make you know, it whenever we were having a political conversation. They're like, well, as a white man, I was like, oh, boy, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too. Right? It sounds, it's frightening, maybe. Yeah. But hey, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Though. The, the thing with that, though, Wayne, is that we do not have to say that. Right. Like, like yes. white. Right. White man yeah. is the neutral. Right. 
right? In our culture. Right? <laughs> That's so what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. I exist, yeah. I have authority. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> that is a fucked up way to look at Well, that's what lives. hegemony is, right? Like, that's, hey, the, that's what the, we've been the assumed into, cultural right? norm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's just a neutral for us, right? Even though people do it differently in a, a lot of ways, they're sort of problematic, I think. But yeah, like, that's that's the assumption. And, and, and very frequently, that assumption <laughs> is stupid, as we have seen in so, so many, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, mansplaining episodes. Uh, yeah. Twitter, yeah. Right? Like, you can, you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to take that neutral assumption and just fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes whenever I'm not you know? sure if I should drink on a Friday night, I just look for a mansplaining session and then I'm like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I should have a couple drinks. <laughs> you drink? You're like 12. <laughs> You're only ten years late on that, but whatever. Well, as a white man, I feel we resolve nothing. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, wow, that was that was some use of authority. I'm sad now. timing for that. I... <laughs> I don't know that we have much else we can go because this, this wasn't. This is always weird. Some of my favorite shows that we do are when we have a generic topic rather than a topic inspired by a specific. Mm. Like a lot of our shows are are based on a specific pop cultural thing. And this is sort of a nebulous pop cultural mm. thing. And mm. these are my favorite kinds of shows. Yeah. Don't you think, Wayne? Yeah, it, just, it opens up <laughs> so much, you know, yeah, much broader topic. I don't know what I chose for the icon <laughs> for this, for this episode. That's always that's always makes it a little a little more difficult. But my hope is sort of people you know start sort of understanding how subcultures work. And we talked a little bit. We didn't go into detail about it, but we talked about, for instance, cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is a bad word on the internet. It's also entirely 100% necessary for sociology to work at all. If I, without, without culture stealing from each other, like nothing, everything stagnates. One would hope that cultures um, sort of credit each other. You would hope so. Well, I was going to say, there's, they a, do not. <laughs> there's a distinction to be made between, um, and maybe this is the difference between culture appreciation and appropriation, mm -hmm. between, um, I don't know, I'm trying Cultural to think drift of and an example. Um, but cultural appropriation is is a term used specifically when oh, yeah. a, a dominant culture takes up a subculture without, like you said, without any kind without of crediting mm -hmm. and profits off of that culture. And I think there is something right. Said but there. I don't think I don't think the internet really I don't think the internet really distinguishes the internet. Perhaps is, not. The internet is at a point where the internet is right. The internet is at a point where sometimes. you are white. Why are you doing karate? Mm. You know, right. I think we can go back to the Beastie Boys mm -hmm. for this, right? Like, if you bring in Vanilla Ice, for example, right? Like, okay, who has this? Yeah, him, him, right? him, him Vanilla Ice and Queen was just too much. Boy. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, this is your representation of black culture. I love Freddie Mercury and I love Queen, but come on, dude, seriously? And then saying mm -hmm. it was yours? Really? Yeah, no. Right. Like, oh, well, yeah. No. Yeah, and he doubled down on that, didn't he? He was like, no, it's yeah, different. This did. one's he, like, do, 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 do. Yeah. 
he he went to he went to yeah. court over it. Yeah, he, he, he seriously it. told crazy. Yeah. But more to the point, though, is that I think if you look at like those hip hop acts, like it's it's disturbing in a lot of ways that the first like platinum hip hop record was licensed to ill, unless I'm mistaken, right? Like that is deeply disturbing on a cultural level, and that is deeply disturbing in a yeah. way that has nothing yeah, to yeah. do with the Beastie Boys themselves. It has to do with the machine right around. It's disturbing, but not surprising. Not at all. Not at all. That 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 right. is that is mm. what like mm. white supremacy broadly defined does. I mean, that it is that's what it does, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It is the it is the inherent right. institutional social racism as opposed to we usually when we're talking about institutional racism, systemic racism, we're usually talking about things that like the government does. That is a social thing that the music was only accepted by the greater culture. It can only be commodified once the once it was socially acceptable, right. and yeah. that took some white yeah. kids from Brooklyn. Oh, mm. Brooklyn, the place, not her. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it took but it, it took some white kids in order, you know, being becoming good at it in order for people to start paying attention. Mm-hmm. In a like, way that happens, happens. often happens. It happens yeah, jazz. jazz, yeah, yeah, blues, yeah exactly. Yeah. Jazz, yeah. yeah, rock and roll. Rock I and mean, roll. Elvis yep. Presley. You mm-hmm. know, he didn't write all those songs right. himself. And I think that that's part of why why you still have that vestige of to go back to one of our earlier points. I was listening to them before they were cool. I'm yeah. a real fan, mm-hmm. you know. But it's I think what, we, what we've arrived at is that cultural culture is political territory, absolutely, and that it also yeah. cultural capital. Social Quite t- literally, also, and, and it equates sometimes to economic capital, mm-hmm. and so there are sometimes good reasons, mm-hmm. perhaps, to to set out and to you know try to guard a territory, mm-hmm. a, t- a cultural territory. We got through this whole episode without actually talking about Dick Heavage. <laughs> <laughs> Something about signifiers, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't know. <laughs> it's been in the back of my mind this whole time. But... Yeah, yeah, let, let we'll link that in the show notes as well. <laughs> For, for yeah. more information on how subcultures work, read this book. <laughs> yeah, well, well yeah. there'll be a, there'll be a few things down there that I that I think are good reads. Um, that said, I want to thank all of our guests for joining yeah. us. Yeah. So thanks for having. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. great, guys. Yeah, good conversation. Less. So if people want to, well, actually, you have a book. You have at least one book. You have a couple books of poetry, right? Yeah, um, I think one is available for free uh, from Sundress Publications. You go to their website, you can check out my chapbook from Bureau, a PDF mm-hmm. free if you want to see. Um, if you would like <laughs> to support my career, quotes, as a poet, uh, then you could buy one from Amazon.com. Uh, my book, At Whatever Front, is available there. I believe it is also available from the Sundress Publishing. We will link to those in the show notes as well. And then there's a whole poetry subculture here in Pittsburgh. I'm assuming it is yeah. everywhere else, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Les is actually Les actually knows yes, quite a few of our poet friends, Wayne. Yeah, that that, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Shout surprise. out to both Joe and Margaret, for instance. Uh, Brooklyn, what about you? Um, I don't do anything cool because I'm a social recluse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's <good to> be here. <laughs> uh, no, no, no Twitter or no, anything. Um, I don't even get on my 
my Instagram, I do have an Instagram um, at Pittsburgh shit where I just post Pittsburgh shit. Not literally, but it's just a bunch of pictures that are averagely taken. So, <laughs> awesome link in the show notes. <laughs> Unless there's no actual shit on the. Um... Yeah, no actual shit. I can't Actually, I'm right now. I'm not making that promise. So. She can make that promise. <laughs> John, what about you? Um, well, last time I was on the show, I was I said. No, I don't have anything to to say. I'm just a poor college student. Please send me money. A uh, poor grad student. That's still that still sort of holds. Please send me money. But I do now have a Twitter. I'm not a great tweeter, but uh, <laughs> no? I, I try. You can, <laughs> a tweeter. What? <laughs> I don't know. Is that the? I don't want a Twitter user. Twitter? I don't know. Yeah. Potentially. Just just make a neologist and yeah, then it should be like me. tweetarchist or something like that. Tweet artist. <laughs> oh. Well, you can follow me at John D. Hadlock. Uh, what about you, Wayne? Where would people find great Wayne Wise content? Uh, my, my blog, yeah, Wayne-Wise.com. Yeah. <laughs> blog, Wayne-Wise.com. I don't use Twitter very much. I, I also have an Instagram account with the, the occasional random mediocre photo. So, And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick. You can follow my blog at chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vox Popcast, and the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com. Subscribe to the blog, follow it, find out about the next topic that we are going to be talking about. And if you are a fan of the show, and God, I hope you are, because, you know, otherwise, what did you just do with your life for the last hour? <laughs> um, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from. We're in most of them, I think. And consider going to iTunes and writing us a five star review because that helps other people find the show. And it allows me to sleep through the night without crying, you know, as we've talked about, talked about before. And you want me to love you. I need your love. I'm a lonely little man. Uh, He's a microculture of one. I am a, oh, God, I like that. Oh. Man, that's sad. I love it. <laughs> It was sad and lonely little man who needs your love. That's why people join subcultures. So be a part of ours. <laughs> I need your approval. Uh, I'd like to once again thank all, all of you guys thank for being you. on the show with us. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. And I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. If you're going to openly be a bitch, it's just Heather, why can't we talk to different kinds of people? Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Do I look like Mother Teresa? If I did, I probably wouldn't mind talking to the geek squad. Did you see that? Heather number one just looked right at me. Does it not bother you that everybody in this school thinks that you're a piranha? I could give a shit. They all want me as a friend or a fuck. I'm worshipped Westerberg, and I'm Molly Jr. Uh, uh, uh.